Hey, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you on Sunday morning. And honestly, uh, we've got something special planned for you today. Uh, we're actually going to do something a little bit different. Consider it uh, Good Morning First Christian as we're hanging out together. And so we're so glad that you may be on your couch joining us today. And uh, I want to take a couple moments to share with you a couple of pastor friends that I've gotten to know a little bit. And uh, I'm going to have them introduce themselves in just a moment. But these two friends have recently jumped into my life and I've had a chance just to laugh with them, to eat with them, and to get to know them a little bit. So guys, let me say welcome this morning, and would you take a moment and introduce yourself to our friends? I will. Uh, I am Pastor Willie Comer of Berean Covenant Church, and I'm also Executive Director of East Central Illinois Youth for Christ, and I am excited to be here hanging out with my friend, Pastor Danny. Good morning. My name is James Fielder. I am a United Methodist pastor, been pastoring a cross-cultural appointment in Bement, Illinois for two years. I'm blessed at this point to be planting a multicultural church for the United Methodist Church entitled Church of the Way. Well, this is awesome, men. We are actually in a series called Psalms, and uh, we've been jumping into this a little bit just to kind of get a feel for, uh, to take some time to look at the Psalms and just get uh, an idea. Now, there's 150 chapters in Psalms, so we're not spending the next 150 weeks going through it, but we want to get a showcase a little bit of what the Psalms are and how to best read them. And so we've actually been using kind of this big idea to look at our series overall. And so I want to unpack just specifically what we're trying to talk about when we talk about Psalms. Now, Psalms is an expression of God's people to God and an expression for God's heart to God's people. It's reciprocated, but it is for us to share our heart before God and for God's heart to be able to speak into ours. And so maybe it's a, a song or a poem. Uh, maybe it's a, a, just a prayer that's laid out in the Psalms. But we know that there are three specific types of Psalms that we looked at last week uh, as Eric taught us a little bit. First and foremost, he said that the first kind is a psalm of wisdom, where we think of like God is our redeemer. It's been his plan. It's how he has oriented the world and how our world should function. The second psalm is a praise psalm, where we, we lift up God as our refuge. And it's a new orientation to the way of thinking that we've been living out, knowing that God intended it one way, that we now begin to think and put our hope and thoughts into the heart of God. But the third one is lament. And a lament psalm is where we declare God as our righteous judge. And a lament is important because there's been a disorientation that's happened in our world. And there's a disorientation that's happened in our life. And so we're taking whatever that is and we're laying it before God, lamenting on what is broken and what needs to be fixed and saying, God, only you, only you're the one who can judge and make things right. Would you move in this moment? So I thought what we would do before we actually jumped into reading our passages, I want to start with this question. Can we? Before we start here, how would you define the word lament? So if you were to put this in your own personal words, pastors, how would you define the word lament? Um, one of the things I like about the lament is that it's honest. Mm. Laments are raw emotions. I feel the way I feel. But in that emotion, I also have hope. Mm. So the, the lament is a way, a prayer like David's being, I'm totally being honest with you, God. Mm. I hurt. Mm. But I also have hope that God will, will, will hear my cry, oh Lord. Mm. 
and answer my prayer? Um, I would definitely concur that uh, the lament, being honest, being open about my fears, about my anger, um, and just where I am. Um, and, I, and I really think it's a great place to be, especially with God, because thank God that we can be open and honest with him. Mm. I don't have to pretend when I'm really not feeling it that yeah. I'm feeling it. I can yeah. really say to him, yo, God, I'm not feeling it, and you're going to have to help me. So it's, you know helps me call out to God about where I'm at. Yeah, I think what's interesting about a lament, though, is that we're we're uncomfortable oftentimes to jump into it. We're, we're we we want to be able to voice like we do with our friends or our spouse or whatever it may be. We we find ourselves in scenarios where we want to be able to talk only and openly and be ourselves. But when I think about a lament, what we're describing here is kind of twofold. One, a lament is saying, "Hey." I ain't feeling, this is not right. This should not be this way in our world. But it's also, as you said, hope. But we know it could be different, God. Could, could you make that happen today, right now, in my life? How, how does that happen? I was thinking about this. My wife uh, has a little bit of a, a decor item, kind of a little statue in our house. And I'm going to leave our family members nameless. But one of our family members broke it. It's, it's like a little statue of mother with a little, little son. And it broke a small piece of it off. And the person that broke it just felt absolutely terrible. Oh, I'm sorry I broke it. That's, that's feeling sorry, but that's not necessarily what lament is. Christy embodies what lament is, which is, oh, man, it got broken. And man, I want it to get back to what it was because it re- what it represents. Yeah. And I think before God, that's what we're going to read today is the simplicity of, man, it's not that, oops, I goofed up or oops, the world is no good. It's, man, things are broken and God, I, it's got to be different than this. It's got to be different than this. So let's do this. We're going to read through this passage together. I'm going to start. We're in Psalm chapter 17. We're going to read the entire Psalm in a couple of different sections, but I'm going to kick this off and then I'm going to hand it over to my brothers here. They're going to read through it and we're going to do some question and answer. It's almost like we're going to sit in on a a small Bible study together if it's okay. So here's what it says. Psalm chapter 17, starting in verse one. Hear me, Lord. My plea is just. Listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. It does not rise up from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from you. May your eyes see what is right. Though you probe my heart, though you examine me at night and test me, you will find that I have planned no evil. My mouth has not transgressed. My steps have held to your paths. My feet have not stumbled. I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Show me the wonders of your great love. You who save by your right hand, those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wing. From the wicked who are out to destroy me, from the mortal enemies who surround me. It's quite a passage. 
<laughs> so David, you know, I, I love this because David, the king of Israel, the, the little boy who, you know, killed Goliath, who took care of sheep, does all that. He's standing before God in his prayer time and he's just crying out. He's just letting it fly in a lot of ways. And he just says, hey, lend me your ear. It's, it's actually, listen to me, lend me your ear. He's, he's begging for God, make, please don't miss what I'm trying to ask of you, God. And he actually does something. He actually defends himself before God saying, you know, I've been doing the right thing. I've been living how you want. And now I'm in this mess. And so he, he says this idea that he's perfect or righteous. And, and he's declaring basically his innocence before God. But here's what you and I both know, right? No one is innocent except God himself, right? And so we may have moments where we're doing the right thing. And that's what David's alluding to here is I've been doing the right thing. But our righteousness, our ability to stand before God as Christians is because of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We say, we've sinned, we've fallen short of the glory of God. We know that we continue to fail, but God has made this right. And so because of that, we read this Psalm a little bit and we say, and I, I, like David, am standing in obedience to before God. And when things aren't right, do, do I have the ability to stop and say, hey, God, I'm, I'm living how you want. Can you hear me in this moment? Can you hear me out? So here's my question. How do you read verses one through five when King David cries out to God, defending his righteousness before God? How do you read it? Well, I, I read it the same way, actually, um, Pastor Danny, what's funny is I was a youth pastor and um, my, I had kids who were struggling. And, um, and so one of the conversations that we had was, if you know that you are living according to God's will, then you need to approach God and say, God, this is not my issue. Mm. I am doing what you told me to do. So whatever is happening in my life, this is not my issue. Mm -hmm. You have to fix this. I'm not jumping in your business. My business is to live according to your will. Mm. And so once I'm living according to your will, this is no longer my issue. And so I look at this psalm and I listen to David. And we all know David wasn't perfect. But God did say that David was a man after his own heart. Mm. And so David is standing on the fact that I, have, I am in relationship with you, God. Mm. No, I may not be perfect, but I'm in relationship with you. And there's some folks that's out to get me. Get them. <laughs> Amen. I look at it as when we are desperate, we rationalize with God. Mm -hmm. I need to know why. And as we entered into COVID, uh, you guys know my everything around me went to hell. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, honestly, uh, my, my mom was in one hospital, my dad in another hospital. God, I'm doing what's right. And when I, when I said that to myself, it was more like I'm encouraging myself. I know I'm doing what's right. And so God, because of that, I, and going back to it, that I'm trusting you mm -hmm. in the midst of all this chaos, mm -hmm. that if I'm doing what's right and I have a relationship with my Abba Daddy God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that I've got to remind myself to hang in there with the situation. Yeah, man, that's good. I think we have those moments where we feel like life is all falling apart. And even though David, David's saying, hey, I can back up the truck and tell you why. I, I can tell you why that we need to be obedient or why you need to listen to me. We also know 
that he begins to turn his whole hope and his whole direction towards God, meaning he says, okay, enough about me. If this is going to be fixed, it's going to happen with you. And so I love what it says in the next few verses as he begins to say, show me your wondrous love. This is your nature. You be who you are because who I am is not going to get it changed here. So let's keep, let's keep moving on with our passage if we can, because I think we've got a lot to unpack in a moment. So, uh, yeah, Pastor Comer, why don't you pick us up uh, in verse 10 and read us, read us up from there. Okay. They, they close, up, close up their callous hearts and their mouth speaks with arrogance. They have tracked me down. They now surround me with, my, with eyes alert to throw me into the ground. They are like a lion hungry for prey, like a fierce lion crouching in cover. Rise up, Lord. Confront them. Bring them down. With your sword, rescue me from the wicked. By your hand, save me from such people, Lord, from those of this world whose reward is in this life. May what you have stored up for the wicked fill their bellies. May the children <laughs> gorge themselves on it, and may there be leftovers for their little ones. As for me, I will be vindicated, and I will see your face. When I awake, I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. Now, men, I'm just going to tell you, let's not put this in a Hallmark card and send this to our mother-in-law, okay? This is, this is not exactly encouragement 101. But what I love about the sincerity of this is that David is keeping it very real before God. D David's saying, hey, I, I need you to act in a way, and he uses violent and and very visceral language where he begins to react. But what he's, what he's playing out here is he's describing enemies. They've got a calloused heart. They've got arrogant mouths. I mean, he's describing, God, on one hand, you see my character and how I'm trying to live for you. And you see those that are against me and clearly they're not living for you. So God, this conflict, as I'm living this out, I need you to step in and bring whatever judgment you need to bring. And of course, he wants some serious judgment. And I, I think what's intriguing here is David himself, being a young man that has protected sheep, that's fought lions and bears, he describes his enemies as people who are seeking out, stalking, and looking to devour him in his real life. And so I'm just going to ask you guys, when you read this passage, because it's hard to swallow, it's, it's, it's difficult to read out. What is the best way to handle these verses? Is it to justify his reaction and words before God? Is it to empathize with the pain that he shows? Or is it to call it out? What do you think? So I'll jump in and have this conversation as it relates to where we are today um, and in everything in the context of where we are as it relates to uh, what's happening in society. Um, and I think too often we have uh, either justified, um, hidden. And so I think that um, where David is, how we should handle this is definitely call it out, deal mm. with it um, and put it before God. Just lay it out. Just let, 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 let it out there and let's let God deal with it. Um, because I think that if, if we keep hiding it, then we'll never get to kingdom. Mm. 
will never get the kingdom because there'll be two different sides mm. of kingdom. There'll be a white side of kingdom and then mm. there'll be a black side of kingdom. Mm. And we'll never deal with the issues in the middle. Mm. If we call it out and all sides come together, then we can have kingdom conversation and kingdom discussion. Mm. And so I believe, yes, we call it out. Mm. Amen. Uh, I shared earlier that I served in a cross-cultural appointment my first appointment, that meaning that means take a person of color, African-American, and, and parachute him or her into uh, an all-white community. Mm-hmm. And I've been serving there two years. My church has grown, et cetera, but I'm still one of four black people in the community. And so when the George Floyd incident, tied to what you said, hit, um, I was angry. I'm mad. Mm-hmm. I, I want to call it out. I want to deal with it. And number one, I know God can handle my anger. Mm-hmm. What I needed to know was, can my community, uh, this all-white community, handle that another African-American has died at the hands of the police? Mm-hmm. I, I, I was stuck for a minute. Like, God, what am I supposed to do? Because I need to say something about this. I'm mad. And so I, I called my bishop. And the other clergy in, in my district who are mainly Caucasian. Mm-hmm. And I said, Bishop, before this meeting goes forward, I got to say something. And what he said was this. Say something. Say it, though, with grace and mercy. Mm. And I, I've shared, because we have been brought into many conversations, and mm-hmm. I've, Danny's been one of them. Mm-hmm. And I said, brother, if we're going to have this conversation, can we be real? Mm-hmm. And you better not leave mm-hmm. when it gets emotional. You heard me say that. And so I think you, you, you do all of the above, but mm-hmm. I, I need the empathy that mm-hmm. you're okay to hurt. Yeah. And you're okay to express your pain, and I'm going to be here with you because we, we know God never left David in David's raw emotions. Mm. That's can good. I, can I yeah, add to that? So um, the reason why I believe we have to call it out, uh, Pastor Danny and uh, Pastor Filder, is because um, remember six years before this, uh, Eric Gardner uh, was also choked and said, I can't breathe. And we didn't call it out Mm. and we didn't drive it and we didn't deal with it. And so six years later, we're right back dealing with the exact same thing again with a different person. Yeah. Had we called it out then and had we been where we are today six years ago, maybe we wouldn't be here today. So that's another reason. And we've got to call it out to know that when we call it out, call on the name of whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. God will respond. God will, will, will move when we call it out. Um, and so we have to do that. We have to shed the light on darkness so mm-hmm. that we can deal with darkness wherever it is. That's good. That's good. You know, I, we talk about it this way sometimes in our, in our community. It's better to have an awkward conversation than no conversation. And I think that's true about our relationship with God. You know, if there's a big idea that we want to unpack out of Psalm 17, let's just make sure we, we tuck in the text before we continue to unpack it a little bit. I, it's just this idea. So what David is doing is twofold here. David is trying to, to be right with God, meaning live out a faithful obedience. But he's also trying to be, be right before God. And so we would say it this way, being right with God is being right before God. If we're going to live in faithful obedience, 
we understand that we're also going to be able to stand in God's presence. And so for the innocent lives, for us who are standing in these moments of lament, and we do lament in other times when we're in our own sin. Lament doesn't only happen in our innocence, right? Lament happens when we, when we goof something up or we see something broken around us or a relationship that's lost or a system that needs corrected. Lamenting happens in all sorts of formats. But when we, when we know that we're living in faithful obedience, we can, we, we can talk about being right with God and have the confidence to be right before God in that same concept. So we're vindicated. We're vindicated by our obedience. We're validated through our faithfulness. But ultimately, we're valued and verified because of what Jesus Christ has done. It's his death, his burial, his resurrection that we stand and say, hey, I'm broken, I'm flawed, but I have put my trust not only is God is the judge, is the one to correct this, but Jesus is the one that now lives in me through his spirit to lead us into great opportunities to bring restoration and reconciliation. And so this, this is where we really want to begin to unpack a little bit of our, our moment today. Amen. So talk to me about this. Why is lamenting for the local church so important today? And how do we lament together? Can you, can you answer that? I believe that it's, it's exceptionally important for the local church today. It's exceptionally important for us to feel each other. Mm. As, I, as I was reading this, I'm feeling David's emotions. In the lament, there is honesty. It is awkward. But in the awkwardness, I believe in the awkwardness is that's when we grow. We don't grow when things are easy. Relationships don't grow when, when things are easy. And so, it, again, I took uh, this to my church back in Bement. We lamented throughout the whole first couple of weeks, mm -hmm. few weeks of COVID. We went mm -hmm. through the lament uh, scriptures mm -hmm. and we cried together and, and we built community together. And so we you loved were, you together. were lamenting COVID in and of itself and yes. just the way things have been disrupted. So you were already in a posture of lamenting. I was already in a posture of lamenting. Exactly. Yeah. I was already yeah. in a posture. And God, that's what God led me is I went to the, and, and as I'm lamenting about my, my dad's death and everything that's happening, we, we built community. Uh, when, but Pastor Comer brought up the, the events of today uh, when I went to Monticello and I'm seeing mm. Black Lives Matter signs and I'm hearing we're now lamenting together. Mm -hmm. That meant you hear me now. Because I believe when, when we're lamenting, I'm like, well, I need you to hear me, God. I need Danny to hear me. I need Willie to hear me. I need to be heard because mm -hmm. this pain is real. It's like uh, we, it, when we played blues music, remember that? Mm -hmm. That's a lament today. Mm -hmm. If you listen to some hip hop from the 80s, that's a lament. I'm, mm -hmm. The community is saying, I hurt. And then when we, when we come into community in that space, that means now we can have love one for another. Mm -hmm. That's the importance I see today to unify us and not, well, that's your problem. Right. Or, exactly. or you stay over there, mm -hmm. white pastor. You can't understand that. Right. Mm -hmm. When you get lean into it, I mean, I'm feeling something. And you can say, I don't even know what it is, but I feel it and I want to be a part of what you're doing. That's what I heard you say when we first started talking. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just say that um, thy will is done um, uh, uh, the king, when the kingdom of God, when, when, when the will of God is done on the earth in the heaven. And so as we look at and we talk about kingdom and we talk about why is lamenting so important for the church today? Because 
when we lament and we can lament together, it brings us together in unity. Um, we talked, uh, Pastor Danny, in, other, in another setting where we talked about the difference between sameness and oneness. Mm. And I think that uh, part of the lamenting is when you can feel my hurt and you can lament with me through my hurt, it's not necessarily your hurt. But because I'm your brother in Christ, mm. you feel my hurt. And you're like, no, I can't move on because my brothers are hurting. Mm. When we're able to lament and we can feel that together, then we can have kingdom. And when we mm. can have kingdom, then we can have oneness. It's not about us being sane. It's yeah. about having the same, the one heart, one mind, one body, one baptism, mm. one Christ, one Lord. And when we all have that one Lord, I can lament, I can cry with you. I don't care what your nationality is, what your ethnicities are, what your, your issues are. The fact that you're hurting, you're in pain, that's a lament for me. Mm. COVID-19 has caused me to lament with a whole lot of people mm -hmm. um, yeah. because I, we did, I didn't see it coming. And so when I get a phone call, man, my father died, my mom died, my baby's sick. I, I didn't ask, okay, is it a white baby? Is it a yeah. white yeah. mama? Yeah. No. The fact that your mom, your dad, yeah. it causes me to lament because it's just kingdom. And yeah. when we get to that point, man, that's why we have to lament together. That's why we have to get through it together yeah. because it brings us unity. What? Go ahead. You, we had a pastor's meeting mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. Where several, of the, I'm going to say the white pastors called a few of us brothers to the meeting. Where I was blessed is that Everybody said, we want to hear you. Yeah. We didn't get cut off when it got, this is our pain. This is our reality. Um, I felt that as we lamented, I could see several pastors almost in tears. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't dismissive. The awkwardness was like, that's where I, I felt more of a closer relationship to, to mm. Danny and several pastors as we, you allowed us to share. Mm. Uh, and you mentioned something that's very important. As a, as a shepherd, mm. as a shepherd, a, a pastor of white church, I went from the black pastor to the, the shepherd because when they hurt, I hurt. I went to the hospital, uh, I christened the babies. Uh, I, I was the pastor. And when, when my sheep cried, I cried. And that's why, again, being able to be raw with each other, I think is so important to be like, this, I'm, this is my heart that you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's what I felt during that meeting. Yeah. This is so good. So we talk about lamenting together, but lamenting leads to we need to now restore what's happening. And the truth of the matter is you two men are leading into our community to make a significant difference. And so, um, Pastor Comer, let's let's start with you to talk about um, Corner Prayer that's kicking off July 1st. We're airing this on Sunday morning, but it starts July 1st. And so the next one, we want to get you connected. But um Tell, tell, tell us about what Corner Prayer is, and then, uh, Pastor Fielder, would you talk about 40 Days of Peace and, and that initiative where, where we best connect? Go ahead. Yes, uh, so Corner Prayer is very simply um, taking back the corners. It's the church coming outside of the four walls and standing on corners and praying for people who would not come into our buildings for prayer. I don't care who, what, when, where, and how. There are people 
who, are, who need prayer. They want prayer. But they're not coming into our four walls, um, and then they're not going to knock on the doors of the church and say, can you pray for me? But if the church is outside on every corner and someone gets off the bus and is on their way home, and we are in a position to say, is there anything that you would like for us to pray about mm. for you? We, I have found, because this is something we do regularly, um, people will respond and say, yeah, can you pray for my son? Can you pray for my daughter? Can you pray for my household? And, that, and during this time with COVID-19 and all the race issues we're having, there are a whole lot of things that I believe people want prayer for, but mm. they don't know how to reach out to mm -hmm. get prayer. So instead of that, they're not going to have to find us. Uh, we'll already be there. So that's right. what Corner Prayer is all about. Great, great. Praise the Lord. Um, the 40 Days of Peace is an initiative in which myself and several pastors, including Pastor Danny, are working with a group called the HV Neighborhood Group. Mm -hmm. One of the, the terms for that is hood voice. And instead of terming the hood as just the hood, they're saying the hood is places of high hope. Mm -hmm. And we are trying to come up with uh, activities to uh, deter violence in the, in the hood. And we're going to several communities and we're bringing programming, uh, uh, songs, uh, activities, um, all kinds of events to, say, to take hope to those respective communities. Mm. Uh, this church is partnering with prayer. There's a group that's going to do a, a, a how to be a good parent, parenting skills group, uh, life coaching, all kinds of events to, again, uh, give the, those, those people who are human beings that want and need hope, hope in these respective communities. On Friday nights, we're going to do more prayer. So we're going to saturate the communities with prayer. On Saturdays before the block parties, we're going to do a, a, a church service. Mm. About 30 minutes we've asked for it. So I'm going to ask pastors to come along with myself and preach to the communities. And, and what you said is very powerful, Pastor Comer. What, what they've asked through all of this is they've asked for the pastors to come be with them and amongst them. And I, I thank God for Pastor Danny sitting through the meetings that we've done a lot of the planning. Our prayer is that over this 40-day period, you see the stats go down when it comes to violence in the community. Yeah. I mean, holistically, what we really believe is that we're not Christians because we're just trying to get ourselves right before God. We're Christians because we've gotten ourselves right with God. And we know unless we get out into the people to be that witness, to be that kind of people, we're not going to see the changed world that, you know, it's kingdom here, here on earth as it is in heaven, that kind of mentality. You know, so I appreciate so much you guys just coming and sharing a little bit. And, and my heart has been that you've had a chance just to speak into our congregation. And there might be a few of your congregation that will watch uh, us as we do this together. But this is a starting line. This is not a, hey, look, we had a conversation. This is a starting line that has actually been building up. We've been actually doing some training together, some working out. And now we're going to take this long run together. But I, I want to address something kind of from my congregation and kind of from my, this is my personal point of view as I look at some of these things. I know in, in a lot of the community that I'm a part of, as we step into a lament and we call out the brokenness of our world, sometimes we don't defend ourselves before God. We start defending ourselves before each other. And what I've learned in our posture is that you're not trying to pick a fight with me. You're wondering if I'm going to come alongside and walk with you. And so oftentimes what I hear is, well, I didn't commit 
whether it was something today or it was something yesterday. And I know what I'm saying. I'm not, okay. But the conviction I have is not just the sin of commission, what I've committed. It's the sin of omission. It's what I haven't done. And I think sometimes when we talk about sin, people go, well, do you smoke, drink, or chew, or girls that do? Isn't that the old phrase, right? You know? And these are the things you don't do, and these are the things you should do. But the book of James tells us that when God puts something on us and we don't do it, we have sinned. And so, if you'll accept this, I, I want to apologize as a person and as a pastor. Um, I want to genuinely say I I'm sorry for times that I've been passive in bridge building and reconciliation. And I, I am genuinely sorry for moments when I've uh, passed on inappropriate humor, uh, didn't appropriately stand up, didn't have a sensitive ear to listen, uh, didn't take the moment to close my own mouth and to figure out what it's like to walk with you, even beside you. We all admit that we have implicit bias. We see things through our own history, lenses, relationships. But the day as a Christ follower, when I let my implicit bias stop my ability to love my neighbor, it's not only a wrong against you, it's a wrong against him. And frankly, when it comes to loving God with all that I am and loving my neighbor as myself, I've been okay at times to just say, I'm okay with God you may have to sort this out on your own. And so I want to say, I'm sorry. I want to say, forgive me. I pray that I, I begin to repent and realign my life. And, and I hope that our congregation, as we come along in our own knowledge of understanding what the gospel is changing in us, we will be found walking alongside you and others in our community. Let's be honest. There's a dangerous middle. There, there are multiple groups that we need to be holding hands with right now, whether it's our local police and trying to lead them towards what does justice really look like and how do we really talk about the things that have happened? Because we know, we believe, we believe that God has everybody's life in a point to do what God wants. We, can, we, we need to take that moment. But we also come alongside and we're going to hold hands with people who have felt that injustice, whether it's been in these grand moments of violence or it's been the simple whispers of our community because our country will not change because of just some education or who holds what place in office. It will change when the people of God take a posture of humility and repentance and say, God, when people hurt, if I'm not there, I'm not with you. And I only want to be with you. So let me just say this. I'm sorry. And would you forgive me? Without a question. Um, definitely. Forgiveness is um, just a part of who we are as Christians. And the fact that you were open enough, humble enough to say that um, and ask for forgiveness, of course we forgive you. Um, it's, it's not even a, a second thought. And as we forgive, we start moving forward. We, mm. we start moving, moving to that next level and, and begin working together. Mm. So thank you 
um, for inviting us and even just being open enough to even ask for forgiveness. Um, yes, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're welcome. Hey, we want to do something as we wrap up today. In our response time, what we always do is we tend to take communion. So I've asked my brothers just to prepare to take communion together. And so wherever you are in your home, if you've grabbed some juice or some bread, we're going we're gonna to reflect for a moment because part of the reason I apologized is because it's difficult to celebrate the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus, the woundedness that happened on our behalf so that reconciliation could happen. And so with a pure heart, I wanted to at least be able to say, hey, I'm going to acknowledge where we are in this. But Jesus was the one who said, when he took the bread, he said, this is my body broken for you. It was a declaration of what he was about to do on the cross. He said, take and eat. And then he took the juice. And in the same way, he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take and drink. Thank you, man. Friends, we've chatted a lot just about some dynamics that are happening within our uh, pastoral relationships here in our community. And we know that it's going to take sacrifice and it's going to take reconciliation for those two things to happen. For humility, for repentance to be played out in our lives. And some of the stuff that we've shared a little bit, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to go to fcc-online.org forward slash Sunday. We have many resources there. Or you can go to fcc-online.org forward slash church where you are. Either one. And I want you to fill out a connect card. And I want you to, if you've got questions about 40 days of peace and you want to be a part of that, let us know. We'll get you information. If you want to be a part of Corner Prayer, we will get information so that you can join us in prayer. Because what might it be if us as a church were walking in our community, together, not just hiding in our buildings. One of the other ways that we get a chance, though, to respond in this time, not only to sign up and fill out a connect card so that we might be able to take next steps of faith, we also come to this time to give of our tithes and offerings. We believe that the mission of Jesus, his local church, is where God has called us to surrender uh, even our, our finances, and when we give through the local church, we are giving to the very mission of God to be able to step out in new ways, whether it's to help through our COVID relief fund or whether it's to help specifically into lives and relationships that God is bringing to us. I can't say thank you enough for the way that you all have served and invested in us, the way you've given above and beyond, the way you've said, God, use me. But if you want to take your app out, the Give app, G-Y-V-E, and give at this moment, there would be a huge help to continue to fuel throughout the summer as COVID continues to get tougher and tougher that we can stay active and engaged in our local community. But last of all, I just want to encourage you to pray that each of us should take a posture of prayer to begin to see how God may be speaking into our lives. And if there be any ill will or there be any anger or there be any, but what about, but what about, God, would you begin to work in our hearts and just say, God, what would you have of me? Because if what is broken in our world ultimately needs to be restored through me, then God change me. Friends, let's continue to worship. 
Let's go ahead and stand or stay at your couch, but whatever God leads you to do, may we continue to join and be a part of worship.